God is so big, you know, God's diversity is so big. And we don't have to have the wood tone, stained glass, Midwestern church that I grew up with. That doesn't have to be the way the worship experience looks for everybody. And God can reach different people in different ways and speak to them in ways that allow them to come to worship and partake in that infinite diversity. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. And Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Aisha. Aisha! Hello, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing good, but I, I, I have an admission to make here. I have to be honest with you, I... I have an addiction. Oh, gosh. Um, is this one that we need to uh, air or not? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm just going to be outright honest about this thing. Um, as you know, I do voiceover work on the side. It's kind of like a side business. And my addiction is this. I, I spend most of the profits on gear, more gear for my oh, studio. Gosh. And Here we go. And I mention that to you because our guest today sells gear in addition to doing installs and training sessions and whatnot and i went on his website and uh i'm just i'm i'm salivating You're overwhelmed i'm overwhelmed oh with the products they sell and think oh i need this oh i'd like this and and so um i apologize in advance if it seems like i'm hoarding the conversation with ben but uh he's just like he his job is it sounds like a lot of fun and uh and what he does for a living and also the products i mean this is right up my alley you know what i'm saying i know it is it's it's like um like going into home depot with my husband for you or your husband for my husband. Right, right. <laughs> Definitely for my husband. <laughs> yeah, because your, your husband, Joseph, he's a handyman. He does a lot of rentals and stuff like that. He's basically a general contractor, right? Yes, he is. You mentioned to me he's actually working with our guest, Ben Stowe, right now from NFLX Professionals. He's doing some work for you guys? Yes, he is. What's he, he doing? He sure is. Um, actually, we are revamping the entire audio system um, at my father-in-law's church. Oh, okay. So, yep, uh, my husband is heading that project up. And Ben, I don't think we could have gotten anyone better to help out on this project. He sounds very knowledgeable. So uh, he's been doing this for a long time. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited for this conversation. Ben Stowe from NLFX Professionals. Or was it Yogi Berra that said uh, predictions are hard to make, especially about the future? I don't think he said it like that. I think he said it like, oh, predictions are kind of, or however he talks. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Yogi Bear. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a picnic basket. I was. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of the baseball player, Yogi Berra, but yeah. Now, uh, your bio on IG says, I help people with their audio, video, and lighting needs. My goal is to solve problems before you even know you have them. Uh, I honestly don't know why Aisha suggested you should come on the show because <laughs> Me either. I, I, I looked at your NLFX Pro website and I was like a kid in a candy store, uh, did a bunch of window shopping. In fact, quite honestly, I spend a lot of my weekends window shopping because I'm always 
I'll be honest. You know, yes, I do voiceover work on the side, kind of a side business, but I spend the majority of the profits on new gear. So that, always, that sounds like a musician. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always looking at new stuff. Like I'm looking <laughs> at the art voice channel right now, thinking, no, oh, do I need it? No, not really, but it'd be nice to have. You know, that sort of thing. Um, I've got my eyes on getting a used. Now you might be familiar with this kind of kind of radio. Um, rack mount unit, but the Symmetrix 528E, they don't even make them anymore, but yeah, I, I want to yeah. get one, a used one of those because it's got some great features on it, and it's a great little unit, and from what I understand, they never go bad, <laughs> you know, um, they they were, you know, a bit of money way back when, but you can probably pick up a used one for half the price or a quarter of the price now, and so I'd like to get one of those just to have it in my... Well, I'll keep my eyes out. If I see you one, I'll send you a link to it. So. Yeah, just send it to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just just send it to me. <laughs> if I okay, if we, if we get a physical unit on hand, I'll do that. Okay, uh, that's good. I, I was just saying, if I saw one pop up anywhere, I, I yeah, I'll do that. Uh, I've done I've done all the Google searches. I know who's got what. Okay, so well, any any friend just, of Aisha is a friend of mine. So you know, just it's just more of a question: Am I willing to spend the money on it now or down the road, or can I get a better deal? You know, that sort of thing. When you said uh, IG, I, I I broke out in like a cold sweat because I actually forgot I had an Instagram. I'm like, oh no, what's on there? I'm like, you right. know, what's, what what quote did I put on there? Uh, but yeah, I think that oh, I think that funny. characterizes what I do really well. It's you know my job to try to figure out there's problems before they exist. So. Would, it, would it be fair to say that your job is not a nine to five job? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I guess it depends. I mean, there's two nines on the clock and two fives on the clock, right? So, you know, <laughs> you'll hit one of them at some point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's five right. o'clock somewhere, as they say. But uh, yeah, no, there's no such thing as office hours, you know. Evenings, weekends, what is a typical day for you? Or is it all, all over the place? of the above? Yeah, my my role in particular, which I really enjoy, is a very diversified one. Uh, I, I get to kind of uh, work in a lot of different areas. You know, I've done uh, sideline support for national football games. I've done front of house for tour. I've done system teching for tour. I've, I've you know done uh, you know install and system design. And and in this is uh, I would I would say I'm celebrating my 30th year in the industry. I'm not sure if I'm celebrating That's or not. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. but anyway, I've been here for thirty years, so I guess we'll call it celebrating. Yeah. So, uh, and and that means you know that that you're going to have a lot of variety in the time that goes with those tasks, right? You know, being in the office could be a nine to five, uh, but if you're going to support people that are out in the field, uh, our customers that are touring or venues, uh, you know, they're not working nine to fives, right? So you kind of have to be able to meet people where they are, and and you know, churches are on Sunday, right? So I don't know if there is a typical day. Uh, you know, sometimes for a large outdoor concert, maybe I'm starting at seven or eight o'clock in the morning and I'm finishing at two or three in the morning. You mm -hmm. know, of all of those jobs that you have, which is your favorite or do you have a favorite? I think that's like trying to pick a favorite child. You know, I mean, <laughs> I let's hear be honest. you. Let's be honest. Everybody has a favorite kid. Uh, no, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> some some kids make it easier than others. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding again. Kidding again. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have two teenagers in the house, so they get to, they get to trade roles. Uh, I I don't know. I I, I think uh, I really I really like them all, and I think the fact that I get to do so many different ones um, helps because it, it everything is always new and it's always different. You know, even though you and I've done a lot of sure. shows together, every show is different, right? So, right, right. As far as uh, the last few years is concerned, uh, like the pandemic changed things for everyone. Uh, 
um, your company sells product, but you also, I guess you're the guy that is the person in front that is, you know, giving recommendations, uh, kind of troubleshooting, determining what you need to do to accomplish what you need to accomplish. With everyone over the last few years, you know, buying, I'm assuming the buying audio and lighting for their online, maybe they've got podcasts they want to start, or they just want to have better social posts with lighting and stuff like that. Have you found things have picked up because of the pandemic or, you know, what happened for you guys? Well, things changed a lot um, in many ways for the better, but I'm kind of an always an optimist, uh, I guess, uh, you know, you sort of look at progression of the direction things are, are going, right? Um, I wouldn't say I'm the guy out front. I, I'm kind of a cog in a wheel. I've got some really extraordinary coworkers and I love that, that, you know, I'm just one of a group of, you know, smart, kind, sincere people that, that enjoy helping. Um, but certainly, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And I think we've seen things for the podcast realm and the live streaming realm have really improved. You know, the the emphasis got put there, the R&D money got put there. And so, you know, particularly in churches where initially they were starting out, you know, putting a phone on a stand and that was the live stream. Yeah, you know, that was their now, camera. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And now they've figured out the, the real outreach value, uh, you know, the uh, evangelistic you know, characteristics of it, if you will, that, you know, we can reach a lot of people who aren't coming into our building for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Uh, and so now I think, you know, they're, they're beginning to upgrade those systems. And, and of course, technology has moved in, in some great ways to support that. So that's one of the places we're helping churches in particular a lot is to improve those live streams and the quality of their ability to take the message outside the, the walls of the church. And, and of course, we all learned in Sunday school, you know, a church isn't a building, a church isn't a steeple, right? So, yeah. Good point. Um, your company, NLFX, do you gear uh, your business? Is it tailored specifically to the Christian community, like churches and, and Christian concerts? Or is is that just a very small component of, of the whole picture? I would say that's a very small component of the whole picture. And I would say that, you know, we certainly love the fact that we get to support uh, churches and we get to support, you know, uh, uh, Christian tours and, and, you know, dear friends like Aisha and, you know, but it's, you know, we, we also do work for like the, the U.S. military. We do, you know, stadiums and venues. We do, you know, uh, just a whole wide variety of things. And I think about it in this way. And it's interesting, you know, Aisha, this might be kind of an interesting uh, thing for you to respond to, because as a Christian artist, you know, that's mm -hmm. a that's a genre. Right. You know. And sure. you can be a Christian and you can be an artist and not necessarily be a Christian artist, right? I know a mm -hmm. lot of secular artists who are Christians, but the genre they sing sure. or they, you know, you would say, okay, this uh, this firefighter is a Christian who's a firefighter, but he's not a Christian firefighter. Right. Or this carpenter is a Christian carpenter, but he's not a Christian carpenter, right? But in music, it's, it's different because it <laughs> creates that genre. Um, so I guess in that way, you know, we, we get to support a lot of Christians who are doing their work a day, even if it isn't, you know, Christian music, right? Right. So are, do you travel a lot? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the things that... that <laughs> Cause <laughs> I, I just got back... I mean, is the travel for work or is the travel because it's just a chance to get away from the teenagers at home? <laughs> well, I'll never tell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think um, that was one of the things that COVID changed a lot for me is the chance to not travel as much. I was on the road probably pretty consistently 200 days a year. And, um, that's a lot. 
It is. It is. And again, I love what I do, but I also love my family. I've got, you know, uh, wonderful yeah. kids and, and an amazing wife. And, and, uh, and, you know, there are these moments um, where you have to reconcile those loves. You know, I remember my son, who's uh, now just about 18, but he was about nine, I think, in, at this time. And he saw me walk into the door with my suitcase and he was kind of like, where are you going? You know, and uh, mm. like, well, you know, I got to go back out on the road. And, you know, I tried to tell him about the interesting places I was going to go, but he didn't really care. You know, there's only two places in right. the world, home and not home. Right. And, um, you know, he said, well, why do you have to leave all the time? And I said, well, it, it, it's my job. And he said, well, can't you get a different job? And uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking, but it was a good chance for some honest dialogue where I said, well, I, I could, but I, I also love my job, son. And it's provided some great opportunities for us. It's, it's provided well for this family and you get to do things that, you know, uh, are unique in, in that realm. And, uh, and, and it's what I'm good at and it's what I want to do. And, you know, we've, we've, we all kind of get along with that now, I think, but it does present some of those challenges, right. You know, but I, I think that there's, you can be gone a lot and still be present and you can also be home a lot and not be present. You know, there's a lot of people who don't travel and they're home all the time, but they're not really there. They're, you know, soaked into their phone screen or whatever they're doing at home. And so I I think that if anything, being gone has actually allowed me to be more present. It's, it's created an awareness that I'm like, you know, I really need to try to be engaged with my family. Well, certainly the awareness now more than ever. I, I know from some of the Christian artists that I've spoken with over the last couple of years, uh, during the pandemic, couldn't go on the road. And when they went back on the road again, and they just were on the road for less time. So they would, instead of going for 15 days straight on the road, they would do three or four days, come back into town, spend time with their family for a few days, then they'd be back on the road for three or four days. The, the length of time they were on the road shrunk enormously and significantly, and, and they've kept doing that now. I think now uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer with festivals and stuff, because that's a big thing. That's a big income for them uh, throughout the year. So it'd be interesting to see if they stay on the road longer again, but I think they were finding that, hey, this makes more sense for my family. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely traveling less. And I and I kind of started to say that COVID changed that, and then I kind of changed directions in the thoughts. So that definitely I found tremendous value in being home. Uh, you know, I mean, I sort of, it was kind of funny, but it's, you know, maybe not funny. It's funny because it, it worked out well, but being gone so much for so much of my marriage, I, I was really kind of wondering, you know, how's this going to work out when I'm home all the time? You know, not only am I not gone, but we're also not leaving the house. My wife and I are both in the same house 24 seven because we were both working from home during, you know, the pandemic. And I honestly thought, you know, when our dynamic has been me being gone so much, you know, are we, are we going to, be able to live together 24 7 and and still like each other yeah. and that was a genuine concern and i'm, I'm really happy to report that uh, it, it worked out great and and we found that we actually uh really even had more of a synergy i think which was really cool now of course i'm traveling again but i'm trying to find that balance i'm trying to not be gone 200 days a year now uh, in your role do you spend a lot of time on the financial side of things like quoting jobs or uh, do you not get involved in that? Like you kind of say, okay, you know, I'm, you, you've called me to consult. Um, you, you put in whatever time you need to be able to look at a job and figure out what needs to be done for that job. But somebody else actually quotes it so that you can just concentrate on doing the work versus spending a lot of time crunching numbers. 
Uh, I kind of work, again, I, I do a variety of things and we've got some really good people who are, uh, that's their primary focus is uh, system design and, and estimating and that sort of thing. But there are times that, that uh, I do get directly involved in that. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm really happy to, you know, I mean, I really wouldn't want anybody else to do that. You know, uh, even though I've got some really amazing coworkers, there's things that, you know, I really uh, want to be a part of. So, so I do. Again, my role is difficult to define, and that's that's really largely my fault. You know, uh, <laughs> my job description <laughs> that's says you're I so should. Good at everything. Oh well, no, no, I'm definitely not. But thank you for saying that. I, but but I think the joy, uh, you know, leads me to that. You know, where it's I, I've, I'm I'm really lucky that I get to do a lot of things that I like to do. And some days it's very much a job, and I don't like it. But you know, that's why it's called a job. But most days, I really I get to find that fulfillment. You know, we just wrapped up a couple church installs in Des Moines and uh, uh, in Missouri, and I haven't gone on an install in a long time. We've got really great technicians and really great install guys, and I don't normally go out and do install work or even in-field commissioning, but these were both projects that have my fingerprints on it, and it was so awesome. Uh, I was able to Mm. stay uh, for the first service that one of these churches did, we finished the job on a Saturday and their first service was on a Sunday, you know, nothing like cutting it close, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it was, we, we, we kind of had to thread the needle because the whole church leadership team was leaving on a missions trip. So that really was the way it had to be, right. It was just one of these things. Um, and uh, anyway, it was just so awesome to be there Sunday and to see this system alive with people in the congregation and not just, you know, do a training and turn over the keys and say, well, here's your new system, you know, uh, right. Thanks and goodbye. You know, <laughs> you finding a lot more churches um, adapting to the technology, whether it be digital or uh, wedges versus in ear monitors. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's a big change for churches, even in the last five years. In ear monitors that was for performers doing concerts and stuff, and now it's right, like for the right. worship team. Well, the whole yeah. worship experience has changed so much, and and I think in ear monitors are a great thing because particularly in in you know uh, even smaller churches, uh, you know if you've got stage wedges, you've now got a, a stage volume problem. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. many churches uh, don't have um, professional sound engineers. You have really well-meaning volunteers who give of their time and their right. talents, and they're taking on this steep learning curve of technology, and they're trying to battle all these things, you know, audio transients, things that, James, you and I would, you know, love to talk about. But for some people, this is really <laughs> foreign, and they just, you know, they give of their time on a Sunday morning to come in and stand at the console. So doing those kinds of things really can help when you start eliminating all that stage wash, all that stage noise. Uh, you know, IEMs can be a great thing there. But I think, too, the worship experience has changed a lot. And it's funny. I was just talking to this church, uh, and they were talking about getting rid of their organ. And I sort of mused with the pastor, and I said, I said, you know, long before us, remember, there was a time the organ was new. And somebody said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to add an organ. And and probably people lost their mind and said, they're not in this church. We're not having an organ in this church. Uh, and now they're getting rid of it, you know, 70, 80 years later. I don't know what it is, but... Um, I mean, I, I sort of joke and this, will I don't know, this will probably draw the ire of somebody, but, uh, you know, I sort of joke that if we were really worshiping in a traditional sense, we'd be hiding in an upper room. You know, the, the worship experience has evolved a lot over the last 2000 years. And drums. I mean, who would think that you'd have drums in a church? Like, really? 
Sorry. <laughs> that, that's meant for the older generation. Sorry. Well, or coffee. I mean, actually, you oh, know. Yeah, uh, good point. Right. Yeah, I think I think it was a, a, a pope that blessed coffee and made it okay for us to drink. And by the way, that guy's my hero. So, you know. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned organ. That That's an instrument that... Uh, Sounds great, and I and I don't necessarily think any church should get rid of. It's really how do you control the signal? If you could get a digital signal out of that thing versus uh, you know a big Hammond speaker or something like that, that would be ideal because th- they sound great and they and I think they still have a place. But it's it's really controlling that sheer volume uh, with everything else that's going on on a stage. Well, no doubt. And in the live stream realm, and of course, most organs, uh, I have a friend who tunes pipe organs and he calls electric organs, he calls them toasters. I don't know where the name came from. But anyway, you know, a lot of organs now are MIDI controlled. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, there are ways to get those voices out digitally uh, because miking an organ is really hard, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, but you're right. And I'm not saying that the organs should go. Uh, it's I think that's an individual you know, leadership decision for each church. What should that worship experience be like? And I think that's one of the really, really cool things is that God is so big, you know, God's diversity is so big and we don't have to have the wood tone, stained glass, Midwestern church that I grew up with. That doesn't have to be the way the worship experience looks for everybody. And God can reach different people in different ways and speak to them in ways that allow them to come to worship and partake in that infinite diversity. So, you know, the organ might be perfect for some worship experiences and it, and it might not fit in others and that's okay. Have you ever had uh, any churches in your installs versus just the audio? Obviously, you get involved in lighting and stuff as well. Have you ever had requests for um, strobes and smoke? Oh, yeah. I mean, some churches have a very... Um, like very elaborate these days. Yeah. I guess the word is contemporary, right? But, you know, some of these some some church uh you know some worships are almost like a rock concert i mean mm-hmm. maybe they are a rock concert and it's very uh you know produced and it's very you know much like you might find in the secular realm and and again if it's helping people come to know jesus then that's a great thing um you know a friend of mine who's a worship arts pastor said god doesn't need our help but the people do right right it's interesting because my brother he's a pastor and he's you know, I, I hear some stories from him every once in a while, and I think it was he was telling me something about how somebody in his church wanted to have some kind of um, directory of members or something like that. Or it was either that or they wanted to have, you know, a physical piece of paper that was their weekly announcement. So they wanted to have a piece of paper in their hand like like churches have traditionally done in the past. And sure. it, mine still does. <laughs> and and so and some churches don't and, and his is one of them and his response to that person was look, every church is different. Uh, if I'm if I go to Taco Bell and order a burger, I'm not gonna be able to get the burger from that place. If I want a burger, I'm gonna go to a burger place. If I'm looking for a taco, sure. I'm gonna go to Taco Bell. And that's the same thing with churches. If you are looking for, you know, contemporary uh, you know, lights, smoke, strobe you know, whatever else, go to a church that has that versus, you know, wanting your church that you're currently attending or this church that maybe you visited, they, they don't have that. Well, then then go to a church that has it if that's really what turns your crank, right? Yeah, we're not competing. You know, it's we're not competing to convert people from other congregations. We shouldn't be, right? There's so many unchurched people out there that there's there's tremendous opportunities to, to share that 
with uh, you know others that aren't already going somewhere, right? So, but right. you know, to your point, if you if you're looking for a different worship experience, you know, then you know maybe go uh, where you might find that. I just I just met a pastor when I was out on the road. Uh, it was re- another pastor said, "Hey, please go talk to my friend. He really needs some help with technology." And and I was going near this guy's town, and he told me that he had just recently. Um, become a pastor and it was a second career and previously he had been a bartender hmm. and i thought wow. that is the most perfect thing i could possibly imagine i mean mm-hmm. how many people and i asked him this question i said pastor how many people came to your bar looking for what they could only find in church hmm. and i said i really hope you still go to the bar and he said i do and i said Awesome, <laughs> because, yeah, because you know Jesus said a hospital isn't for the healthy, right? Church isn't for the righteous. Right. You know, church is for people like me who are, you know, f- flawed and and sinful and and insecure and and uh, you know we we need help. You know, that's what church mm-hmm. is for. It's not for those who are good enough to get in the door, which which is good because I don't know if I'd get in, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point for all of us. I love that. I love it because. You know, talking about going to a church that suits you, you know, it's like at the end of the day, as long as they can find Jesus when they come into a church, if it's stained glass windows or organs or smoke, if they can find Jesus, that's all that matters. Yeah. And and I, I 100%, 150% agree with that. Um Aisha, I don't have anything else uh, except to mention that we really should get uh, Ben and his company sponsoring the podcast or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I I have something else. I want to ask Ben about, um, is there a funny story from you being on the road and uh, setting up for festivals or big shows? Oh, yes. Uh, A funny story that doesn't include Aisha. Oh, shoot. That was the first one that came to (laughs) mind, actually. (laughs) First one that came to mind was actually about you, Aisha. Uh, Really? Because it was. Well, then go ahead. I mean, I I just was just being comical. I I want to know this one. I'm terrified to tell the story now because, it, it, you know, I, I love your husband, Joseph. He's just such an awesome guy. And you guys have such an awesome <laughs> stage dynamic. But, you know, from my view at front of house, you've got this, you know, you're obviously uh, just such a such a strong, dynamic person. And you're out front leading worship. And, and you know, you're just so good at what you do. And, and you know, he's a fantastic uh, partner for you and a fantastic supporter. But he's behind you on the drum riser, you know. Yes. <laughs> And I don't know if it was just, uh, Joseph, I'm so sorry. Like, this is, I want to tell you right now, brother, I am so sorry. I should never tell this story. It's okay. Aisha's going to tell him not to listen to this episode. So we're That's good. right. Yeah, don't yeah. do it. Uh, you know, and it, and, it, and it maybe didn't, it maybe didn't play out the way it looked, but gosh, it was sure funny. So there we are at front of house and we're, we're setting monitors and, and, you know, we're getting your voice in his ears, his in-ear monitors, and he's got his finger up more, more of Aisha, more of Aisha in my ears. And then as soon as you turn around, he starts pointing down, 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 take it out. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, the fact that you're married and I'm like, you know, this guy's got his wife's voice blasting in his ears. I'm like, I just, I was, I was like almost crying. I was laughing so hard. That's hilarious. Oh, I see. I'm sorry, Joseph. It's always the sound guy's fault too, right? 
I'll take it. You know what? That's okay. That's part of the job description. You, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, they they say that uh, you know you you know a sound guy is doing their job well when nobody says anything or complains or if you don't get complimented. If you get complimented, it's usually to make up for something bad that happened. You know. <laughs> well, I think you have to have really thick skin, and for you know, sure, I, I, yeah. I, sure, I, sure. I, I, I've definitely made some mistakes working with Aisha and Joseph, and they were so gracious and great about it. But, you know, you have to recognize that the person who's out front, uh, the person whose name is on the marquee or on the bill, they, they're they the boss. And yep. their brand their brand is at stake. If I, you know, I, I've said before, I can't make a bad band sound good, but I can make a good band sound bad. So if I'm doing sound for Aisha <laughs> and, I, and I make mistakes, I'm affecting her brand. I'm affecting her ability to, you know, reach people. I'm affecting her ability to sell records and to book dates. And that's a responsibility that shouldn't be taken lightly. And if I screw up and, and she chews me out, which, by the way, she's never chewed me out. She's she's really a great person. But I think the person the point to. is, even if she chewed me out, she'd still be a great person. Sometimes, you know, you have to have the call a huddle or have the locker room talk and you have to take your your uh, lumps because you deserve them right you have sure, to recognize sure. that it's not about the sound person it's about the person whose name is on the bill the only thing i'll add to that is the only time the sound guy calls the shots the only time the sound guy calls the shots is when they're doing a sound check <laughs> right. Well, and I think, you know, I've, I've had the, the really good fortune of working some, with some extraordinary artists, uh, you know, uh, Dove Award winners, Grammy Award winners, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Country Music Hall of Famers. Uh, just that. literally, uh, I was working uh, over the weekend with a theatrical group out of New York, and the guy asked me, he said, uh, are, are, you know, are any of the bands you work with good or are the bands you work with, you know, good? Or I forget how exactly he asked the question. And I replied, they're all good they're all good or they wouldn't mm. be we wouldn't be playing venues like this right you know mm, i mean right, right. they're all good and i think the really really good ones also even though they have a, a sense of what their sound needs to be and they have a sense of what their brand is and what that what that should be i think the really good ones also appreciate and have dialogue with their sound person you know well mm-hmm. you know should we try a different microphone are we getting the tone we want or here's some adjustments we could make that would help you know so it's not purely like a subservient role, right? I think it's a partnership, but at the end of the day, you sure. have to defer and you have to know that the boss is the person whose name is on the record. Right. And that's the end of the story. Yeah, I guess my point was just the the fact that when you're doing a sound check, it's not just the, in the case of Aisha, for instance, it's not just her singing. She could have other vocalists. She could have, you know, you could have drums. You could have a whole pile of live instruments where you're, you're trying to do a check on each one of those instruments, getting them sounding right. Not necessarily the EQ as much as the balance and whether it's in the mains or in the monitors. Um, so that's why a sound guy would want to kind of direct that process. But once it's, you know, once the mix is there, it's, you know, you take a step back and the direction comes from the stage. It doesn't come from the sound guy. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's, that's your job. You know, I mean, that's the sound person's job and that's how you serve that artist is by, by taking charge and doing your job. Um, and, and I'm really lucky most times when I'm mixing at front of house, I've got a monitor engineer who's mixing monitors. And that really helps because the monitor person, I think in a lot of ways has the harder job, you know, yeah. they're doing lots of, lots of different mixes, uh, for a very discerning yeah, audience, you know, which is the band. Yeah. And right. when they're doing that, I, I really can just kind of follow along at front of house as they're going through the input list. I can kind of get things dialed in at front of house and, and, uh, 
And, and I'll tell you what, the easiest bands to mix are the mi- bands that mix themselves. So if that monitor mm-hmm. engineer has got the band very comfortable, if the monitor engineer is giving the band what they need to hear, uh, my job comes uh, becomes exponentially easier. Yeah, that's awesome. The, and that's important to have a great team. Yeah, when you when you Definitely. talk about a church environment too, uh, you know, me doing sound in church as an example, I spend more time on the monitor mix than I do on what it sounds like in front of house because I can clean that up after the fact. You know, I can 100%. clean. You know, like like to me, I, I need to make sure they're happy on the stage. They can hear each other. They can hear what they need in their mix. Um, I'll worry about the EQ on the various channels and stuff. You know, I might need somebody to, you know, wail on the drums for a little bit while I do a final <laughs> quick mix or something like that. But other than that, I, it's the monitor mix that, that is the most work for sure. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I do a lot of teaching. I, sp- I spend a lot of time teaching both professionals who are working in the industry and also, you know, volunteers. And I love sharing this with uh, church volunteers and things. But I also love teaching people that are doing sound professionally. So I'll offer two pieces of advice that people can kind of take or leave. Uh, one would be to the worship musicians themselves, uh, and that is to say, sound check how you will play. Uh, you know, if you go mm-hmm. up to the mic during sound check and you're like, check one, two, check one, two, and then, you know, you wail when, you, when you're performing, you're not helping the sound person. Right. Uh, right. Go out and, and play like you will play so that w- the work you're doing, James, like you talked about, that those levels are close to right. Um, and then probably the best piece of advice that I would offer to any audio professional uh, or, or volunteer who's doing this is to fix the problem at the source. You know, here's an example. Uh, how many times, James, have you seen somebody spend hours trying to EQ bad sounding drums when, you know, maybe the drum just sounds bad or, or B, uh, more common is the mic placement is bad. And, and just mm. moving the mic saves you hours of messing around on a board to fix a problem that maybe you can't fix. Always fix the problem at the source. Uh, Unless yeah. you're trying to fix it mid-service. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, it's right. Midstream. Sort of, yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, somebody could have kicked the stand or, or moved the stand inadvertently, and, and now you're trying to make up for it. Uh, what can you do? Yeah, there's always uh, always exceptions, but I think as a general rule, you know, get uh, get those things sorted out ahead of time. You know, good gain structure. You know, you can't fix things at later stages of gain. You know, if your mic preamp is is not set well, it's not. You know, if it's overdriving, all you can do later is turn up or down an overdriven signal, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so that that would just be. Uh, I actually got a class to chant that. It was kind of cool, but you know, I got everybody saying, "Fix the problem." At the source, fix the problem. At the source, it was like the coolest nerd oh, thing you I ever saw. It. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but really, that, that's the mindset. I would say, you know, again, I don't, I don't know if anybody uh, wants the advice, but there it is. So yes, 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 we'll take it all. And if and if you make a change, remember the change you made in case you have to revert back. Oh, that's another one. You know, and I tell you, this is one of my favorite slides that I put in almost every presentation that I do on live sound mixing, and it is little changes, little mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mm-hmm. go nuts diving into that desk, just turning every knob you can find, trying to chase a problem, you have now potentially created a lot more problems. And now you have to dig yourself mm-hmm. back out of that. So make purposeful actions. And if you don't really know what you're doing, don't do a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben, thank you so much for hanging with us. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I'm, we could have talked for hours, I'm sure, but... We've only got so much I hope time we on get the to someday. I look forward so, to it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah. My pleasure, James. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Aisha, thank you so much. I'm honored. Love uh, you, brother. You too. You take bet. care. Take care, guys. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye.
There you have it, everybody. Our buddy Ben Stowe with NLFX. My new friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is time now to get some artist advice. This week, we hear from John Reddick. Point to Jesus. Um, you know what? I think before we point to Jesus, we have to lean into Jesus. So I would say, yeah. I would say lean into Jesus. We can point to Jesus all day long, but if if we're not trying to struggle, I mean, it's if we're real about humanity, then it's it's hard to follow someone you don't see when everything else that is against you is something that you see, you know, in the daytime. I mean, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, but those powers and principalities work through tangible things. <laughs> so yes. it may yes. be a struggle sometimes, but push through to lean towards Jesus, because then I think that's when we're able to point to him, not as if we are these perfect beings, but because we realize, dang it, I'm so imperfect yeah. that he loves me anyway. And he's exactly the direction I need to be going in. I would say push through that. Going from one to another, he started with point to Jesus and then he changed his mind and said, lean into Jesus, lean into Jesus first. And then, mm-hmm. then push through and then point to Jesus. Yeah. And I feel like you can't point people to Jesus if you haven't leaned into him. Right. It's yourself, actually you know? quite a simple point, but pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Well, that is all the time we have for today, Aisha. Um, Before we go, I do have to say a big thumbs up to our producer. Um, Justine does a lot of work behind the scenes making this whole podcast happen. And you know what? She does, uh, like, all the stuff you see on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. She she does all that stuff. Like, I just share, you know, she, she does all the work. She does all the heavy lifting on that stuff. And, and it's a lot of work. And, and she does posts throughout the week as well, not just on the day that we release the podcast, you know, the new episode. She does a lot of work mm-hmm. behind the scenes. So I just want to give her a two, two thumbs up, big pat you know on the back, and handshake, whatever Justine, you want to call it. What you're going to have to do, Justine, is um, is add some applause so right here applause for justine well there's the applause and yeah it is time for us to go thank you very much for tuning in don't forget to follow us on twitter facebook instagram you can find us on twitter and facebook at between grooves and on instagram between grooves pod check us out and don't forget to leave any comments we'd love to hear your feedback Thanks for listening to Faith Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves or email us anytime. Hello at faithstrongtoday.com. 